when we're pining, when we're horny, when we're feeling alone, you think, he wasn't that bad, she wasn't that bad. They were actually, we had good times together. We cringe wash, then getting it poppin'. We cringe wash, then getting it poppin'. We cringe wash, then getting it poppin'. We cringe wash it, then getting it poppin'. Welcome to Cringe Watchers, a podcast where we invite our expert friends to binge watch TV and talk about sex. This episode, we asked Twana Hines, should you have sex with your ex? Lori, are you binging or cringing this week? I'm binging this week, Layla. And the show that I'm watching is called Flatbush Misdemeanors. It's about Brooklyn and it's by Brooklynites, which is increasingly rare these days. So this might be the first time that I actually saw a show advertised on a bus stop in Brooklyn and didn't feel minorly annoyed. It takes on race, gentrification, and really just being broke um, head on. It's also really funny. And it might be the best use of the actor Hassan Johnson, AKA Weebay from The Wire, that I've seen since that infamous reaction gif. That sounds amazing. I'm going to check that out. I've, I've also seen posters, but have not yet watched it. Definitely recommend. And Layla, how about you? Are you binging or cringing this week? I am also binging. I signed up for a free trial of Peacock, yet another platform to stream things. I have discovered this show called We Are Lady Parts. I watched the entire series in one sitting. It's a British series about an all-female Muslim punk band. And the tone is kind of Bridget Jones or Bend It Like Beckham. I don't want to give away too much. I think everyone should watch it. It shows Muslim women in all their diversity in a really fun way and just turns every stereotype you have on its head. And at this time of global tension and casual Islamophobia, it is the rom-com antidote we could all use. Wow. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to check it out. And actually speaking of rom-coms, Let's get into it. We are here today to talk about the epic and hilarious story of Isa and Lawrence. Of course, I'm talking about HBO's Insecure. Today's Cringe Watchers episode focuses on Low-Key Happy, which is the penultimate episode of the most recent season of the show. Yes. And when the show first started, Issa and Lawrence were college sweethearts. They were living together, but they were both miserable. Issa hated her job. Lawrence was unemployed, depressed on the couch, trying to sell an app idea. And by the end of that first season, she had cheated on him. They broke up. And for a while after that, it seemed like the Lawrence character was going to fade away and be written off the show entirely. That's right. It turns out he did not fade away entirely. And as this episode really shows, we've all been on a journey with Issa and Lawrence and we're pretty invested. In this episode, we find them both in an upswing. So Issa has just pulled off a successful event, an outdoor block party, and Lawrence is killing it at work and is newly single. Yes, newly single and now meeting up with Issa for dinner. So uh, to all of our listeners, you don't have to have seen the show or watched it from the beginning to get into this episode of Cringe Watchers. We are talking about a fairly universal experience dealing with your ex. The question of exes and ex-sex is always intertwined with this question of both what's healthy, what's healthy for you, what's healthy for that other person, and also desire there can sometimes remain some lingering chemistry and 
there's always that question of what if, what if things were different? So today we really explore, is it ever healthy to get back with an ex? I think it's a very timely question to explore, especially for this show, because actually the next season of this show will be the show's last season, and it's expected to air later this year. I'm very curious to see how they'll handle issues like COVID and, of course, whether Issa and Lawrence officially get back together. And just a quick note to our listeners as well, there are slight spoilers in this episode and also there's a spoiler right now so if you really don't want to know um, what happens you can maybe fast forward about 30 seconds but another big question that we have going into the new season of Insecure is what will happen to Condola's pregnancy Condola being the last girlfriend that Lawrence had before he has reconnected with Isa at this dinner Yes, I am not making any predictions, but if you are interested in predictions or in a blow by blow recap of this episode and every previous episode of Insecure, I cannot recommend the podcast Insecurity enough with Crystal and Hey Fran Hey. I am a, a fanatical listener, sometimes even listen before I've watched the episode. So check them out right now get into it. We're we're having a great conversation. We invited our friend Twana Hines, who you may know online as Funky Brown Chick, who is a a healthy relationship and sex ed expert to talk ex-sex with us. Without further ado, here's our interview. Juana, we are so honored to have you on today. We are discussing Insecure, Low-Key Happy, which is a title that I love. And we are specifically discussing the phenomenon as depicted in the show of X-Sex. Hot. Hot. (laughs) Love this. Love Love this podcast. I'm excited about this. We are thrilled. Thank you so much for being here. And we definitely need your expertise because... I need to break this down. I could not be living in my own head about this, or I'm going to text someone that I shouldn't be texting. That's the big danger. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorite episodes of one of my favorite shows. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it, especially as someone with the daunting expertise of relationship expert or healthy relationship expert. I think my first question for you is how healthy is this relationship? Ooh. You have to have some sense of equality amongst the partners. That doesn't mean you make the same amount of money. We all remember when Lawrence was trying to make his app and do all of these things and kind of like getting on his hustle compared to where he ended up, right, in season four. So it's not necessarily equality as in exactly the same uh, amount of money or the same job or even the same class, right? I'm not all about that life. It's more this sense of, am I equally valued? in this relationship as my partner is, do we have the sense of equality in that what I need from this relationship is just as important as what they need from the relationship? That's the kind of equality that I'm talking about and looks like, smells like, sounds like a healthy relationship, right? Most importantly, you have to feel safe, Mm -hmm. physically safe, we're not about those violent relationships, and emotionally safe. Is this someone that you can disclose things about yourself and feel like they're not going to throw that shit back at you in your face the first time you get in an argument? We saw Lawrence and Issa have a fantastic conversation and reveal things about themselves, right? 
when they were talking about what it might look like to get back to with each other, things they hadn't told each other previously. And so as we become vulnerable with our partners during the relationship, after relationship, before we actually get into it, whatever entanglement we might find ourselves in in our relationships, right? We have to feel that we're safe to disclose things about ourselves in a very emotionally vulnerable and honest way. I love that, Tawana. It's so on point. And one of my favorite things about this show, about Issa's YouTube series, Awkward Black Girl, um, (laughs) is how vulnerable she makes herself. Yes. Like shout out Awkward Black Girl. Yes. If you know, you know. Um, Podcast listeners, if you slept on Awkward Black Girl, you missed it. You missed the best of it. You missed the beginning of it all. And you can't say... I was there when, because you missed it. Exactly. (laughs) And it's not even the same going back and watching it now, because you're like, oh, that's Issa Rae. Exactly. (laughs) You you can't buy that she's that awkward Black girl as easily, because she's so awkward. She was Jay back then. She wasn't even Issa in the story. She was Jay, and then she had White Jay as her boyfriend. And so remember White Jay? I remember White Jay. (laughs) What I love about this episode, um, which was written by Natasha Rothwell, And you can kind of see that you can feel that um, is that to your point, Tawana, about the the equality and the safety and the vulnerability, they drop us right in. They're like, y'all are about to go for a ride because they start out the entire episode with Issa falling flat on her face. Yes, (laughs) Just (laughs) palming it hard and they lean into it. And this show is so glossy, right? It's so beautifully done. You know, the outfits, the gorgeous black people. This is one of the few times where I really feel like, okay, they're fully calling back to Issa's awkward roots. And I I love when they they leave us that. But it's also a way to show how safe Issa can end up feeling in front of Lawrence and kind of prep us for that, right? Um, So I love what you're saying about equality and respect and vulnerability, And I'm kind of curious when we think about where the conversation goes, do you feel like it was realistic at all the way that they were speaking to each other based on what you know about real life relationships and how real life exes communicate was all that sweetness and vulnerability and Lawrence being like gently teasing her about falling flat on her face, but never going too far. Was that all of that kind of realistic? Is that kind of a dream version of how we would like to be with our exes? Or is that something that is actually attainable? I'm not like that with my exes. (laughs) Maybe I need to evolve and grow and mature or whatever a little bit more, but my ex conversations don't look shit like that. Uh, I'm not perfect, right? It's one of those things where it's like, we're all on this journey, hopefully, to become better people to ourselves and better to the people around us. And so often when we have communication with each other in interpersonal relationships, we see this in work environments, which can be just as toxic and unhealthy as fuck, just like any other interpersonal relationship, right? So we see this show up in work relationships, we see this with neighbors, we see this with exes, we see this with current partners, we see this in our families. Having real concrete, vulnerable conversations that basically are about you hurt me. 
that's what that conversation is when you're talking about the breakup conversation they have, right? Like, and they'd hurt each other both over times, right? Remember the threesome at the grocery with the grocery store, right? Right. right. <laughs> right. <laughs> series. We've seen them do things. He blocked her on Facebook at one point. So we've seen all kinds of ways in which they've come together, come apart around this central theme of you hurt me. And a lot of breakups, I would venture to say, are really come down to that, not feeling understood or heard and or you hurt me, which kind of fall very closely with each other. And so I'd say to the question about whether or not this was realistic, sure, I'm sure there are people who have done the really hard work of doing that respect and love and growth for yourself and with your partner, you need to do both of those. So maybe there are some people, but I'd say more than likely, we fuck it up. We all do. Not because we want to, not because we don't know any better. We fuck it up because we're not perfect. I don't have everything figured out, but I should disclose that I married an ex. You're going to bury the fucking lead. <laughs> we dated casually and then we reconnected a year later. But I did rewatch this episode with my now husband who was once an ex. And we started talking about, you know, what are the factors that bring people back together? And one of the things that was a huge factor for us was a combination of timing and what we wanted at that time. And I think that it plays in what you're talking about, Twana, with the equality in a relationship. If, you know, you can meet and one of you wants something serious and one of you doesn't. You can meet and one of your careers is taking off and the other isn't. And if I were to characterize why our initial dating, my husband and my initial dating never got off the ground, it's because he was having a moment in his career where he was traveling constantly, but also blowing me off constantly and finally stood me up. When we reconnected, we were both in very similar places. We both were in a place where we were really fed up with a lack of work-life balance. And we had that new thing in common that we didn't have in common the first time where we wanted to make time for things like maybe not falling in love, but having fun and spending time outside of work with someone who makes you feel good. Yeah, I love this. And one of the things that I love so much, so many things I love about what you said. One, the fact that you buried the fucking lead. The other thing that I really love about it too is that you said you were in the same place. I always say anyone can make things work with anyone else, regardless of race, ethnicity, geographic boundaries, religion, background, all of these things, as long as you share the same worldview and you're going the same direction. But the fact is, that's key is what you said, which is that we were in the same place. We wanted the same things at that same time. And that perfect storm is why you're in this beautiful marriage right now. What's interesting is that like Lawrence, my partner is uh, an app developer. When he watched this episode, which he'd seen before and told me he didn't want to rewatch, but I pressed play and it sucked him into <laughs> He said, we should look into the stats because one of the reasons people might be reconnecting with exes is because of social media and technology that keeps us all linked. Your ex is always just one sort of message away. And I said to him, you know what? When I reached out to you again after a year, I'm just now remembering it's because you popped up in my G chat. It was because I was online at an odd hour because of technology. This person I hadn't emailed or chatted with in more than a year was still somehow digitally linked to me. And I think, you know, as you said, within in this show, blocking on Facebook, stalking Instagram, it comes up with exes. Absolutely. Social media is the ghost of relationships past. So whether you're happily married in a relationship and that ex from high school or college or wherever the fuck you met them, right, pops up, or you're single and they're single too, it brings back people who 
in yesteryear you would have never seen before. And I'm sure you remember a time when if you moved out of town or if you left, you know, a particular place or your family went from point A to point B, those people just fucking died. You never saw or heard from them again. You had no way of contacting them. The likelihood that you remember their first and last name and phone number and address and every way in which you could possibly contact them if you remembered all those things about them were pretty slim. Now, all I do is log on to Facebook or with big data, anywhere that your email is tagged, like suggest a person to follow on Twitter. This person just posted a TikTok. You might know them. It's like, what the hell? It's like these people are following you throughout your entire life. So I 100% agree about the social media aspect. The other thing we have to consider when it comes to stats is we are living in a very unique time since the census first started counting people, right, where the majority of adults are single. So not only do we have a large percentage of single people, we also have people living single lives longer than they're used to. Wow. And that's two, yeah, two main, well, three, at least three main points. One, people are waiting later until they marry, which means you're spending more years single before you actually marry. The other thing that's happening is people are divorcing more. And so even if you were married at one point, you might divorce at another point, Right. And then even if you do stay married throughout the whole long haul, right, people are living longer. And so and women are living longer than men. And if you're in a heterosexual, monogamous, cis, het relationship, all of these assumptions we make, right, if that's what you've got and your dude statistically is probably likely to die before you are women, you've got way more longer time single, right, into your 80s or 90s living that as your single life. So not marrying until much later, divorcing more if you get married and living longer means most of our adult lives are starting to be much more of what used to be considered a phase. Tying this all back to insecure, we all remember Daniel, right? So there was Lawrence and then there was Daniel and then there was Lawrence. So people bounce in and out of our fucking lives all the time. So it's interesting, right? It's all a ride. It's all a journey. And I think that's the part I hope everyone takes away from watching that episode and I encourage everyone to do so is that we're all figuring out what we need in our relationships with the persons we may be partnering with. Cause what I need from X today or current boyfriend today, right? Five years from now, when they've grown, they've changed. I've grown, I've changed. I might need different things. Maybe our relationship shifts with that or maybe I'm with different people. And so we've got to all really think about this relationship life is something in which we do. We talk about love lives as if it lives outside of us, right? Do you have a love? What's your love life? Tell us about your sex life. All these, as if it's some shit that lives out there in the ether and it's not what we actually do. Tawana, you are dropping so much knowledge right now. There's so much there. I love what you're saying. And I'm, I feel like I'm living what you're saying. And one of my favorite parts of this episode where I think they try to address some of these like demographic changes that you're citing was when they got the Uber driver, it was an older woman. And she at first thought they were on their first date. And then by the end of the car ride, she was turning around, pressuring Lawrence to propose to Isa. And I feel like within the span of 10 seconds, it was a very short scene. They actually gave a nod to some of what you're talking about, which is maybe a little bit of a previous generation, just not being able to read how people today are in relationships. 
we could be on our first date or we could be getting ready to get married. And the previous generation is confused by what the hell we're up to. (laughs) I just wanted to share a little bit of a different experience that I had, you know, if Layla married her ex, let's just say I have not married an ex, (laughs) you know, and um, there was almost a dreamlike quality to this episode in the sense that it was like this conversation I wish I could have with every ex I've ever had. But in reality, I know we would fall into our same old patterns. And I don't think myself or my exes have actually progressed to the point where we could have that conversation. I mean, at one point, Lauren says something like, you know, when he's absolving Issa of like this sin of cheating on him, you know, I think he says something like, you know, it was easier for me to blame you than like, look at my own shit. And to me, I'm like, do people say that? (laughs) Because I don't think anyone's ever said that to me in a real life conversation. And that it's wonderful to watch. It's like, I'm eating the most delicious treat watching that and like fantasizing about a conversation like that. But I've never actually had a conversation like that. And even with social media, I feel like I'm seeing these idealized versions of my ex. And I have to keep reminding myself, like, that ain't how it really is. That is not the real, we have irreconcilable differences, girl. You got to remind yourself. Um, So just throwing that tension out there that like, sometimes if you're not with an ex, it's for a reason. And I feel like Natasha Rothwell and the whole Insecure crew, they were almost playing with our deep seated desires more so than telling a story, even with this episode. In my defense, I only married the one ex. No need to defend anything. No, no. I, mean, I, I feel complete the same way about every other ex. Couple of things that I did think about, like one, that psychological phenomenon where you remember negative things that people say about you more than you do the positive ones. When it comes to exes in relationships, it's flipped. When we're pining, when we're horny, when we're feeling alone, you think he wasn't that bad. She wasn't that bad. They were actually, we had good times together. Well, remember when we did so-and-so or your phone or Facebook or whatever since five years ago or four years ago, and it pops up when you were doing this, you know, like fantastic dreamlike thing together. And you remember like how you felt in that moment. And you think, ah, maybe we could have made it work, make it work. Could have done that, right? Like we all have that moments where there's this like, languishing for this past life that we had with this person, right? And you think, oh, it could have been great. One of the things that I uh, coach couples to do to help cure that shit real fast is judge every relationship you have by how bad they are at their worst, not the tops, right? Tops are easier than the bottoms. When you really are like, I can't stand this fucking person. What does that look like? Are you cursing at each other? Are you name calling? Are you hitting each other? Are you spitting? All of that, by the way, can be extremely toxic and abusive, right? And so thinking about like, when you are at your worst, how bad does bad get? So when you're pining for this ex and thinking of these wonderful things, one of the coaching tips I give is think really about like, not only those great, it's good to remember any memories. That's fine. Fantastic. Remember the worst too. Like when it was really, really bad, how did they make you feel? personal story of one of my exes, he said some of the most beautiful things to me. 
when we've had these conversations about me leaving town, he said things to me like, you're the best friend I've ever had. He said all these beautiful things to me where I just felt like seen in a way that I was, I mean, I hadn't been in a relationship, that I felt like he was being more vulnerable in the way that I wish that he always had been. I felt like because he was doing that, I let down some of my guard. He's 100% to blame. He totally wasn't, right? And so I let down some of my guard and became more vulnerable and opening. And we we're having these kinds of conversations that you see in Insecure when you're talking about the possibility of getting back together or not, and you start being a little bit more vulnerable with each other. What's at stake here and how high are those stakes? And I think as anyone who's listening to this podcast, who's been in a relationship or get up, gotten out of it, thinking of going back, or you're in that middle space where you're in a relationship that's not so bad, but not so great either. And you're, you're debating shit or get off the pod. I don't know what to do here kind of thing, right? What's at stake and how high are those stakes? Ask yourself those questions as we think about exes, going back to them or not, or if you're in a relationship, do you break it off or not? I love that. Ruth's Refuge is the only organization devoted to providing furniture and home essentials to refugees and asylum seekers rebuilding their lives in New York City. Even after arriving and securing an apartment, many families are unable to invest in furniture and other home goods, often sleeping on the floor as they work to pay off debts and establish a new life. Ruth's Refuge volunteers donate furniture, buy new appliances and linens, load moving trucks, assemble furniture, and bring love and welcome to the homes of newcomers. Visit their website, ruthsrefuge.org, to learn more about how you can help by donating money, or shopping their wish lists. Those in New York City can also donate items or volunteer their time. Cringe Fire, here we go. First Cringe Fire question, what other shows are you binging right now? I am binging almost everything on Netflix. Most recently, I watched season two of The Circle. Uh, yay, Trevor. Yay, Chloe. Yay. Trevor. Yes, Trevor. So many wonderful people on that show. So The Circle is the one that I binged most recently. I watched, I've watched all their series. The Son of Sam one. Um, every series that's come out on Netflix recently. Uh, I watched them all. Hello, COVID. <laughs> I caught up on old episodes of Blackish during COVID. I watched everything. I literally. I just watched everything and I'm a 90 day fiance do or die. I've seen all 72 spinoffs of that show, all of them, like Pedro, the family Chantel, uh, happily ever after all of them. I've seen them all. I'm, I'm ready to process K1 visas on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think Hello COVID could have been an alt title for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Love it. The next question is, what is something that you find super cringy at the moment? Ooh, uh, when we're recording this, it's an anniversary of Tulsa, right? And so one of the things that I'm finding slightly cringy right now is not acknowledging the shoulders upon whom we stand. So mm-hmm. when I see media outlets talk about like, oh, they're doing this amazing coverage, you've done all of these things. It's like, we have to give homage and due credit to a lot of the black magazines and black newspapers the Chicago Defender, the Amsterdam News, like all of these papers that over time 
have kept things in media and pushed forward and tried to get people to cover mass atrocities that have happened in black community to black communities in this country. And so now that we're having a reckoning of sorts where we're doing a better job now than we did, you know, summer of uprising last summer, or than we did say 20 or 40 or 50 or 80 years ago, I do think we're doing a better job of at least acknowledging, which I gotta at least do that, which we haven't fully done because we're not teaching slavery in a lot of American schools. Mm. So I think we're getting a little better and looking at a lot of the Tulsa coverage that I saw like today in the past week or so, I would like to see a lot more nods to a lot of the black publishing entities that some have gone under from lack of funding and support, like that for decades and decades have really pushed for accountability and coverage. And so I'd say that's something I thought was a little cringy, I'd say, right now. I love that. Shout out to the Amsterdam News, the original. Yes. Hey, mm -hmm. is there an aspect of sex or sexuality that you would like to see portrayed or better portrayed in TV, film, or literature? Ooh, there's so many delicious things that we need to see better portrayed. Interracial relationships, inter ethnic relationships, people who are considered the same quote, quote, racial category. You could be Jamaican and black British or African-American or black or, you know, from Senegal. These are very different countries, cultures, everything. Like we don't really explore not only interracial, but also interethnic of like, how do we really understand the multi layers and how complex even within an ethnicity, so to speak, right, could be. I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see more non-monogamy relationships that aren't just like, oh, he cheated on her and now she boiled the bunny, you know, on the stove. Like these kinds of like, so-and-so cheated and it fucked everything up. What about so-and-so had an honest conversation about what an op what opening in a marriage looks like, what that means, what would ethical non-monogamy look like? And then they found a partner or two or an individual or whatever and welcomed that into that couple and they lived happily ever after altogether. I would like to see more healthy, ethical non-monogamy depicted on screens. We just don't have enough of that. So I would say basically to sum it up, everything beyond cis, het, white and or black, but only with each other and nobody else kind of relationships, right? We need more Asian American stories out there. We need more Afro-Cuban stories. People can be Latino and black, right? People can be Asian and black. We need a lot of that out there. We're just not seeing enough. And on the flip side, do you have a favorite scene that depicts sex or an issue of sexuality? Could be any medium, film, TV, literature. My favorite sex scene, I always feel like I go back to like my teeny bopper years. I see these like, cause you think, oh, first time you saw something, second time, oh my God. This movie, Threesome, back in I think the 80s or early 90s, one of the Baldwin brothers, two other people were all college students and were in it, threesome, like they were roommates and they started having sex with each other. And I remember thinking, I mean, I'm from rural fucking Illinois, Bumpkin, Mississippi, Bumpkin, Illinois, and proud. I don't say that pejoratively, I'm proud Bumpkin, right? And so like, I never even fucking heard of a threesome. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, that shit looks like fun. And so I would say that was probably my favorite sex scene that I first saw every consensual threesome I've ever seen on television since then. I just loved, I loved Itu Mama Tambien uh, with, yeah, the two friends and then the woman who traveled with them and all of that fun stuff. That's amazing. Well, that ends our 
rapid fire oh, session. Oh, you did it. What an incredible guest. You rock. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for doing this. I'm so grateful that you invited me. Thank you for creating this podcast and getting it out there into the world. Thank you to our guest, Tawana Hines, for sharing her relationship wisdom. You can find her at TawanaHines.com, T-W-A-N-N-A-H-I-N-E-S, and everywhere online at Funky Brown Chick. If you like our show, please rate, review, and subscribe. We have a Patreon as well. Visit patreon.com slash cringe watchers to become a patron and get early access to new episodes, special shout outs, and more fun perks. Speaking of which, we want to give a heartfelt thank you to everyone who has supported us so far. We feel your love. The outpouring has been amazing. Thank you for the stories and episodes ideas. And thank you especially to Sabrina Hersey Isa, our first Cringe Watchers squad level patron. As always, Sabrina, you're a trendsetter girl. With you on our squad, there's nothing we can't do. And we love you. You can always tweet us at Cringe Watchers. Or email us at cringewatcherspod at gmail.com with story, advertising, or partnership ideas. Thank you to our editor, Karen Y. Chan. Judith Walker created our logos and cover art. DL Dallas Engram created our theme song. Our ad music is by Siddhartha Corsis. Thank you for cringe watching with us. Until next time. <laughs>